0: It's time for The Hammer Down Show with Jared Jesselitis.
1: Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again?
0: Streaming online at 1017thehammer.com. All right. Sounds good. Let's do this.
1: Logs are, like, shifting in different directions here on, like, who hosts them and stuff. But uh, Golden Black's moving over to something called On3. Seems like a pretty cool platform. Um, But Tom's going to talk Purdue football, and uh, we'll uh, see what's been going on during the bye week. All right? So we got plenty to talk to. With that, the trade deadline in the NFL. I've not remembered an NFL trade deadline that's actually been this exciting. But there's a lot of big names on the move And a lot of deals being done that involve uh, your uh, Colts and your Bears. I got rumors. I got what's already happened. It's right here, and it's all in the need-to-know news.
0: Here's your need-to-know news.
1: All right, let's start with the first big one here, and and I'll get your thoughts on this in just a little bit. But the Colts have acquired Steelers wide receiver Chase Claypool. Get this. The Steelers are going to get the Bears' second-round pick in return for Claypool. I have seen some conflicting things here. That it could be the Ravens' second-round pick and not the Bears. But I've seen more. I've seen stuff on both sides that say this this is the Bears' second-round pick that made it happen. And that uh, they came in and swooped him up. He was about to be a Green Bay Packer. Bears made a better deal. Speaking of the Bears, they're going to take on Miami this weekend, and they just got themselves a new weapon. Bradley Chubb has been dealt from the Broncos to the Dolphins for a package that includes the 2023 first-round pick that Miami picked up from San Francisco, says Adam Scheffner. Yeesh. Now, there's no word if any of these people are going to play by Sunday. Maybe we're asking a little bit too much, but we'll see. Maybe they can get in there, get them some packages, and uh, still get them on the field this week. Uh, also happening in the uh, NFC North, the Lions have traded tight end T.J. Hawkinson to Minnesota in the division. That's a shocker, and they're going to play. They're going to pay for him too. The Lions. In return, get a 2023 second-round pick and a third-round pick in 2024, while the Vikings will pick up the 2023 fourth-round selection and a conditional 2024 fourth-round pick with Hawkinson. So, Lions getting a second and a third. The Vikings getting Hawkinson a fourth next year and a conditional fourth-round pick. Uh, Additional fourth-round pick is on whether or not um, it, it, if there's a playoff game. If the Vikings win a playoff game, it becomes a fifth-round pick. Pacers fall to the Nets last night, one sixteen to one. Oh no! Hold on, before you do that, I forgot the Colts here. All right, so the Colts have let go of their offensive coordinator Marcus Brady. That's done. He's out of here. There has to be a fall guy, I guess. I think Frank writes up, we talked about this yesterday, I think Frank's gone, but he's going to call the plays now, I'm sure that will go so much better than what was going on. Also, Adam Schefter is reporting that teams have been talking and contacting the Colts about Naeem Hines. 25 receptions, 188 yards on the season for the Colts, 36 rushing yards, and over a 10-yard punt return average. We'll see if he gets moved. Breaking here from Sheffner: 49ers will trade Jeff Wilson, the running back, to Miami. Jaguars are trading Calvin Ridley. Wow, what what's Ridley get? I remember he's on the gambling suspension. But the Falcons will get something for him. The Jaguars will pick him up. That's interesting. 49ers are gonna send are gonna get a fifth round draft pick, by the way, for Jeff Wilson. Rumors were that uh, the Rams attempted to trade two first round picks for Brian Burns out of Carolina. Where in the world they get two first round picks is beyond me. Maybe not for another month and a half. See, uh, and Sam King sent me the second round pick from Scheffner. Second round pick that Chicago traded to Pittsburgh for Chase Claypool's its own pick. And not the second round pick the Bears received for the Ravens. I had seen uh, somebody else had uh, one of the other big wigs had said that it was the uh, the Ravens pick and not the Bears. Um, but I'm gonna go with Scheffner, and I've seen more that say it's the Bears second round pick. Thank you, Sam, for sending that in. But. Uh, I- there was some confusion on exactly what that was, and I'm pretty sure that it is the Bears' second-round pick. Uh, the Pacers last night fall into the Nets 116-109. to uh, Duarte had uh, 30 points to lead the Pacers. Durant had 38. Blue and Gold fall to 3-5. and five. They play the Heat at home on Friday. The Bulls will slide into Brooklyn tonight to face the Nets, a one-and-a-half-point dog on the road. Blackhawks are back out of night, looking to snap a three-game slide. They're going to host a 5-4 Islanders team tonight. And uh, the Islanders have been pretty darn good. They have won uh, their last three, including the Rangers, Carolina, and Colorado. Those are uh, three pretty darn solid teams. Meanwhile, the Blackhawks have gone to OT in their last two, went in the shootout in the last one. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of people consider the Rangers to be uh, serious playoff contenders. Carolina leads the Metropolitan, and the Avalanche are the defending uh, Stanley Cup champions. So uh, Islanders on a little bit of a hot streak. We'll get some best bets here in a little bit, because it's a little slow. Uh, the World Series is rescheduled for tonight at 8 o'clock, a game that you'll hear uh, right here on 101.7. The Hammer didn't happen last night, so we were denied that little uh, sports equinox. So I kind of been rearranging things a little bit. I, I had a bunch of new hockey data late that I didn't have a chance to really pour through. I got a couple of targets, but I just want to make sure my stuff holds up. We'll talk about that here in just a little bit. Uh, I'll get you some best bets. Uh, last night uh, we did all right in hockey. Two out of three. Tage Thompson shattered his four shots. Uh, Rasmus Dahlin got his uh, three shots in last night. Kubalik was MIA. Don't know where he went. And then why in the world did the did Cincinnati not run the football last night with Mixon. Oh my god, that offensive line just could not protect Joe Burrow. They they looked that bad like the first couple games. Then they got everything figured out it seemed like, and then the Browns just took it to him and, and just never gave the ball to Joe Mixon last night. That was a travesty. I felt bad for that guy who just got married. Had the we're talking about this on Twitter a lot. Had a hundred twenty-five thousand dollar parlay up for grabs off of a seven seventy-seven bet, seven dollars and seventy-seven cents. All he needed was mixing to hit his over at like sixty-seven yards. He had twenty-seven. What made things worse too is Fandle offered him a uh, a buyout at like uh, it was like sixty-some odd thousand, and he said no. So he could have had half the money. He said no. Then decided to hedge it on the way to the game. And spent uh, thirty thousand dollars of his own money, and then walks away with the thirty on the hedge. So you'd either risk it for one twenty-five, take half, or hedge it and then at least walk away with thirty. You'd have sixty guaranteed, or thirty guaranteed, or you could let that all ride for one hundred twenty-five. I feel like it would take the sixty. What the heck happened that game last night? Jacoby Brissett looked great. Two seventy-eight, a touchdown, seventeen for twenty-two. The defense looked really good, yeah. And the Bengals—I know they don't—I know they didn't have Chase, but for Pete's sakes, they're better than that. Eight carries for Joe Mixon—that was it. That was it. Dang man, what are you gonna do? But we'll have best bets and stuff. I'll get to that here in just a little bit. I just want to double-check some things before I give you out something. We've been so good picking these hockey shots on goal, and I just want to make sure that I got the good stuff for you, okay? All right, we're going to go ahead and take a quick little break here. Hang tight. We're going to come right back. Tom Deanhart from GoldenBlack.com. He is going to join us next. We're going to talk some Purdue football with him, and then we'll keep an eye out on that trade tracker. I will get you your thoughts here on what the Bears just did. As a guy who's watched Chase Claypool in the last three years – uh I will give you uh that insight there did the bears overpay as well we'll talk about that that's all coming up here on the Hammer Down show on 1017 the Hammer on 1017 the Hammer <laughs> Welcome back to the Hammer Down Show on 101.7 The Hammer and 101.7 TheHammer.com. I'm Jared Jessaline. It's over to our Blue Fox and Cooling Hammerhead hotline. We're going to go. And uh, I got Todd Deanhart from goldandblack.com is on with us. Uh, they switched over to a new platform today, which is very exciting. And uh, with that, uh, you're going to be able to join Golden Black for the year for just a dollar. That's a heck of a steal here. If you've read anything that Tom does, you know how hard he works to get access to uh, all that stuff for a uh, for a year, for a buck. Oh, man, that's an absolute deal. So make sure you go and scoop that up. Uh, they're on their brand new platform starting today. Go check it out. Looks great all the way, to, uh, by the way, Tom. Um, so how'd you spend your bye week, buddy? I mean, there's no football over the week. What, what'd you do with yourself on Saturday?
0: Yeah, still wrote a few things. Uh we had talked to Coach Brom last Tuesday and sort of tried to put a bow on things as to where things uh really stood entering that by week and then what was ahead for Purdue. And as we all know, there's quite a bit still uh still left to be had for the Boilermakers here in November. Very interesting month, four games. Of course if Purdue wins all four, which is a tall task, but they do they're playing in Indianapolis for the Big 10 championship so it all begins Saturday with a very interesting visit from Iowa
1: yeah uh it's uh, the Chuck Sizzle revenge game i guess can you say it? Tyrone Tracy revenge games i mean there's always you think that there's something to that is there something to that tom or is that just us creating storylines
0: no i think there's something to it it's kind of fun reading some of the tweets from uh media that covers Iowa I and mean, they've been getting some quotes from various Iowa defensive backs saying they're, they're kind of looking forward to playing Charlie. So uh, some of it's probably in a little bit of jest, but maybe there's some truth to it, too. Maybe there's some hurt feelings still that linger. Um, You know, he left Iowa sort of late in the process in late May, early June, and surprised a lot of people and stunned a lot of people, I think. So, man, again, maybe, maybe there are some hurt feelings that linger, and, and this would be the Iowa player's chance, if you will, to really I guess, you know, play Charlie and, and show them how they feel. Uh, so it just sort of adds to a storyline that already, uh, for game for games, already drifts a lot of very interesting storylines. Uh, like I said, for Purdue, see if they can keep their foot on Iowa's neck. You know, Jeff Blom's 4-1 and a one against these guys. And for Iowa, they're looking to build a, a bit of momentum coming off a big win against Northwestern. Their offense scored 33 points. And they want to show they still have a life and try to finish the season on an uptick.
1: Buddy, I could put up 33 points on Northwestern. I don't know how big of a win yeah, we can call it. that. Yeah, I, I, I get it here. But uh, we're talking with Tom Dean Hart from goldenblack.com on our Hammerhead Hotline. Uh, the story going into the bye week was injuries, Tom. Uh, I, I, what's the update on uh, some of the big names? Uh, I, I mean, we're – geez, we were close to putting – Did we put? We did put Kyle Adams out there, the transfer quarterback from West Lafayette at one point in the secondary, didn't we? I mean, where we stand on the big-name injuries?
0: Yeah, the secondary is sort of the area to watch. You know, we saw Jamari Brown and Corey Trice both leave the Wisconsin game with injury. Uh, Jeff Brom didn't have much of an update on either on Monday, something that's going to probably linger deep into the week. I guess we'll see how they practice this week, and it could end up bleeding into Saturday, <clears throat> both those guys being a game-time decision, which wouldn't be good if, if neither could play. That's a position that already lacks real quality depth. Of course, Jared, the secondary, has already been operating without Chris Jefferson for a few games. Of course, he's dealing with some mental health issues, and I get the sense he may never suit up again for Purdue, which, again, is a big loss, and they've been trying to deal with that for the last few games. And uh, <clears throat> up front on defense, Kyron Jenkins hurt his knee in the first half at Wisconsin. He was warming up at halftime, wanted to play. He was held out just to protect him. You know, initial thoughts were he was going to maybe miss a game or two, but it seems like it's trending toward Kyron Jenkins likely playing Saturday, which would be huge. He's one of the toughest guys on the team, Jared. He's always played through a lot of injuries and just a hard guy to keep down. So he's a big heart and soul guy to that, that unit, especially up front, obviously. And offensively, Jeff Blum. Had a little surprise on Monday when he said King DeRue was unlikely to play. Oof. Of course, King had missed about four games with a calf injury. He played the last two. Now, again, he could be out uh, once once more. So there's that. But, of course, pretty still Devin Mockabee and Dylan Downing's expected to be back from a foot injury. So there's some reinforcements there at running back. And Brock Thompson's probably the last guy uh, of note. Um, of course, Brock's been out almost all year. Even with a, a knee, he tweaked against Indiana State. Sounds like the odds still may be long if he suits up Saturday. So uh, those are your main guys. Now, I'll throw one more guy at you, too. Ben Fertney, their they're fullback, you know. Doesn't get a lot of publicity, but he's a guy who's a key blocker, especially in short yard situations. He's going to be out. You know, that role could be filled in some part by Payne Durham and Paul Pfeffery acting as de facto fullbacks and even Tristan Cox, who moved to a, to tight end uh, a few weeks ago from, from defense. So, again, Ben Fertney, a guy who's going to be out, is a key part of at least getting blocks for a running game that's really showing a lot of life this year.
1: Tom, it seems like if you are going to still have issues in the secondary and try to rest some guys, going up against uh, Iowa, who's uh, what? The only I think the only passing offense worse than Iowa's was Rutgers, I believe, in the Big Ten. Uh, that's <laughs> I mean, th- this is this is the week to do it. That seems pretty fortunate for Purdue uh, that uh, they got a week of rest and an extra week to prepare against uh, what is this? it's it's not exactly an explosive offense there, uh, Tom, at Iowa. Wow. Um, this just seems like a little bit of a break.
0: But you know they got to be licking their chops, right, Jared? Thinking, hey, man, we can make some hay against these guys. But you're right; uh, it's not like Iowa's coming in here with a with a dynamic passing attack, and uh, that back end too. You know they're trying to uh, just to develop more potential combinations to give that secondary some some flexibility, Jared. They're working out, you know, Sanusi Kane and Bryce Hampton at cornerback. Now, Sanusi Kane, or obviously, is a starting safety. Remember, he started a cornerback in the bowl game against Tennessee and did pretty well. So he's he's getting some more work at cornerback just to give them another option there if needed. And Bryce Hampton, too. He's really a safety by trade and has always been able to play cornerback, but he's going to get going to get some more reps there as well. So, again, uh, just trying to come up with ways to develop um, different options in the back end should they need them.
1: So you don't have to go to a, uh, a walk-on transfer quarterback. <laughs> in the yeah. secondary. And like I said, it's not like this is an opposing uh offense in the past. I mean they also give up uh the most sacks uh in, in the Big Ten uh as well. So and getting guys like Kydra Jenkins back uh I, I feel like is yeah. uh more important here. You just need guys that can stay on it for a couple of seconds. I, I think that defense will get home the Petrus, uh but we will uh we'll see what happens and of course then uh, Illinois is looming, right? I and mean, you take a look at these last sure. four games. I mean, you're not really worried about Indiana. You're not you're definitely not worried about Northwestern at this point. Maybe a slightly concerned because the defense for Iowa can be good. But I mean, it's Illinois. Sure. That's that's the that that's the whole kit and caboodle, right? That's that. I mean, that's the one.
0: Yeah, like I said, you got to get by Iowa first. And I know we've all we've all analyzed and read about, heard about Iowa's struggles on offense this year. They're well documented. But like you said, Jared, their defense is top-notch, one of the best in the Big Ten, if not the nation. Look at the stats. I think they're number five in total defense in America. One of the best linebackers, a guy named Jack Campbell, Riley Moss in the secondary. You know, the sledding could be tough at times for Purdue's offense. They can't turn the ball over. Uh, More than anything, as usual, Jared, like most football games, you want to get the lead, and this is really important for Purdue because, boy, you get behind and you take pressure off Spencer Petrus, and they're able to run the football, play downhill, boy, I he's playing from behind it. Iowa's got confidence, and, and it could get really interesting in the fourth quarter. So, again, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see if, again, the, the, the Purdue defense can step up and sort of make Petris try to beat him and slow down that Iowa run game. He
1: is Tom Deanhart of goldenblack.com. He does an amazing job. And right now, since they moved to their uh, new On3s, it's still goldenblack.com. But now that they moved the On3 platform, you can sign up a whole year for just a dollar. That's a whole year of Tom Deanhart, Dr. Doom himself over here with the injury report. Um, and uh, nobody covers it uh, like Tom does, uh, him and, and, and Brian and Allen and, Alan and Lord help us, even Kyle Charter sometimes when he chimes in. They do a great job over there. Um, But, yeah, for just a dollar, that's an absolute steal for you here. So make sure uh, you hurry up and you take advantage of that while you still can. Tom, uh, excited for this one on Saturday. I will uh, see you out at Ross. then, buddy. Take care, Jared. Be good, buddy. Thanks, bud. We appreciate it. All right, we're going to take another break here. We're going to come back, and uh, we'll check that trade tracker. Have the Bears made any more moves? Have the Colts moved Naeem Hines? And what should you think about when we talk about Chase Claypool for a second-round pick? Uh, We've got all that and more coming up next here on the Hammerdown Show on 1017, the Hammer and (laughs) 1017. Thank you, Mr. Tom Deanhard. It's the uh, Hammer Down Show on 1017 the Hammer and 1017TheHammer.com on NFL Trade Deadline Day, which has been insanely active today. Uh, we went through some of them at the top of the show. Uh, right now, nothing new since the uh, Calvin Ridley uh, stuff. So, uh, nothing new here. Jaguars are going to get Calvin Ridley for the uh, for a fifth round pick and a conditional. 2024 fourth round that can rise on conditions, um, but that seems like a steal for Calvin Ridley. Oh, I got to double check and see how many. Like just at a glance, it seems like a steal. I don't know how many more years they have him under contract. That'll be a uh, question there too. Um, hopefully, he got at least another year on that. I don't know. Jaguars gonna do what Jaguars gonna do. All right, um, we're still watching. There's been no word on Naim Hines yet. There has been rumors that the uh, Colts were looking to move him but that we haven't had any any deals made uh specifically for him just yet. A lot of people been calling I I, I don't know why the Colts wouldn't wouldn't move him. I mean, think about it. You're you're riding Jonathan Taylor. You haven't really used Hines uh, very well. You can get some draft capital for him. Like, unless you completely hate Jackson behind him. But it seems like there's going to be plenty of people interested in him. So, let's see. Nothing yet. We'll keep you updated. The big one, though, is uh, Chicago Bears getting Chase Claypool today. And uh, my granted, I am a Steelers fan. I have been watching Chase Claypool since he got drafted. I thought, hey, here's a dude that could uh, really make a difference. I mean, you like his 6'4 frame, 238. He can be physical. He was great, you know, his rookie year, I thought. 16 games, 62 catches, 873 yards, nine touchdowns is pretty darn good for a rookie. Now granted he wasn't the focal point on the uh on the 2020 Steelers. I mean, at that point, what is he? Like the the third, he's the third guy? He's behind Deontay Johnson. He was behind uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. So it was great when he was the third guy. Then he gets a little bit of the promotion here. But last year, people are aware of him. The average yard per catch goes up by about a half a yard. Nothing shocking. Doesn't fumble the ball. He had three his rookie year only two touchdowns. Dropped down to two. One less game and seven less touchdowns. He's been even worse this year. In eight games, 32 yards on 50 targets, 311 yards total, and the average per catch is down to 9.7. Is some of that with because no Ben Roethlisberger anymore? Yeah. Yeah. Was some of his poor performance last season because Ben... They weren't throwing the ball down the field very much. Yeah, it's a terrible offensive coordinator in there. But when I saw this move as a Steelers fan, I was elated because I've always seen the guy as—boy, I want to—I want to choose the words wisely here. It seemed like football was secondary to him sometimes. He got very chummy with Juju Smith-Schuster and wanted to work all on the branding and the social media and stuff. He's had some real childish like outbursts. I feel like I have some maturity issues with him. In last year, down 8 and charging against the uh the Vikings, no timeouts left, he picks up like a 4-yard slant route for a first down and then stops to pose. What well, lineman had to knock him over and take the football from him to go set it down? And then when they set the ball and they spiked it to stop the clock, he threw a fit about the the defensive lineman or the offensive lineman coming and taking the ball to set it so they could hurry up and spike the ball to stop the clock. Mind-blowingly stupid. They were getting blown out last year by the uh, uh, by Cincinnati. And he went right up into the cornerback, grabbed his face mask, and just yanked him to the ground, and then just kept walking like it was nothing. About started a huge brawl. And you're gonna offer me basically what I gave up for him. Second round pick, and if it's the Bears, it's probably lower than what I picked him up in the second round as a Steeler. They moved up some positions on him. I'm elated. That's a heck of a great return. Meanwhile, if you're a Bears fan, I think you're happy about this from a perspective of uh, the Bears realize that they need to do more around Justin Fields. Anybody that knows a lick of sense about football knows that they have to do something. He's a different target than what you have. But he's a guy that needs some work. You still have next year on his rookie contract, so it's not really hurting your cap space. You can kick the tires on him for a year if it works out. Great. If not, eh. Yeah. The problem with that is you've given up a second-round pick for a guy uh, for one more year that may or may not it may not be on the team. Let's face it. You could have kind of you could have a better year and just barely miss out on the playoffs, and then think this guy isn't really you don't want to pay this guy the money that he wants and let him walk. That's that's a that's a little bit scary to me. If I'm a Bears fan, he's not a come in and it's an instant impact kind of guy. He doesn't come over and automatically become your number one wide receiver. But he is an additional weapon that you can bring in, that you hope can assimilate into the locker room properly. I think that locker room has to have strong leadership. I think that core has to have strong leadership. And if it does, and it can kind of keep him in line, because I'll be honest with you, I've not been in love with the guy's attitude for the last two years. I've been in love with the Steelers locker room for the last two years, all the things that I hear. But hopefully, you know, I, I, region guys are going to love this because he's a Notre Dame guy coming back. And maybe a fresh start and this works out. Second seems like an awful lot to pay for him. I need to know what Calvin Ridley still has on that deal because I would much rather have Calvin Ridley, I feel like. For fifth-round pick, I'd much rather have Calvin Ridley. I can almost guarantee you that, but if you only got the year on the deal, ugh, I gotta go. Like I said, I gotta go back and look at Ridley's uh, Ridley stats on that. But yeah, as a Steelers fan, I'm elated. As if you're a Bears fan, I think you look at this as, hey, this is something that we needed. Uh, we can get out of this mistake, but we probably paid a little bit too much. I think if you forked over a third round pick, that was probably fair market. I think that's what the Green Bay Packers were going to give up. And then they said, we want this guy, and they made it a second-round pick. I think, you, I think you've overpaid a little bit if you were Chicago here. But you're not locked into anything too crazy. I just don't. Yeah, you know, to, to me, I, I feel like the Steelers win in this one. I feel like as you're a Bears fan, you're happy that you got a new target. Uh, you got a different kind of target. And that you got to stick it to the Packers in some way, shape, or form. But yeah, I, I'm not. If I'm a Bears fan, I'm sorry. I I would not run out and buy the Chase Claypool jersey. I think you just got to wait. He's just too much, too much of a knucklehead at times. And he's yeah, he did really well when he wasn't the focal point. But when he starts to become a focal point, that's uh. That's a little, he tends to struggle a little bit. He's not there yet. And maybe you can help him. Maybe. But if I look at those stats, I mean, 32 catches for on 50 targets for 311 yards and one touchdown. That's got to be a lot of development to come. That's a lot. And you only got a year to get him there to the point where you know he's going to want some money. You know he's going to want a decent deal. And I just, I hate playing mid-players like that. I just hate doing it. All right. Um, I did promise you a best bet for today. I'm trying to work in during the commercial breaks on stuff. I got some new data on things, and I was, I was looking for uh, some of these shots allowed. I like Mika Zabinajad against the Flyers tonight, over three and a half. It's at minus 130 right now. Flyers give up the fourth most shots per game. They're ninth in the league, giving those up to centers. So I think I'm in on Minka tonight. He's covered that in seven out of ten games. He does shoot the puck. I think I'm going to go with Minka tonight. It's still got a ton of like I got access to all this new stuff here. I'm trying to I'm trying to step it up for yins here. But Arizona uh, is another team that you got to fade tonight with the Florida Panthers. I mean, I'm just, I'm thinking out loud here. That's a big NHL slate for you tonight. I wish I had something a little bit more concrete where I'm like, yes, dude, no problem. Like that's the, that's the guy there. The Barkoff's at over three and a half tonight's probably not a bad play there. Matthew Kachuk over three and a half. He's minus 150. Yeah, see what I mean? Like, there's there's no-brainer guys to play, and then the, the odds are terrible. Try to find you guys some better guys, like, you know, right there in the mids. Around even money, maybe even the plus. I mean, who else is absolutely terrible here? I don't know. I have to take a look at it here. If I come up with something else before the end of the show, I'll, I'll pass it along to you here. We're going to take our final break. We'll come back. And uh, things we missed is coming up next as we wrap up the Hammer Down Show. And one... It's the Hammer Down Show, 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com on an NFL trade deadline day here, 4 o'clock. We're going to the top of the hour uh, with that. And uh, it's been quiet the last Twenty minutes or so doesn't mean anything hasn't happened. And uh we're waiting to hear, but um, you know, nothing. We thought maybe Naeem Himes would be on his way out of Indianapolis. We still haven't heard, uh, but multiple teams were reportedly interested. I don't know if the price was too high, people went elsewhere. Uh I don't know. You you would think maybe Miami was one of those teams, but they went and got Jeff Wilson instead. Boy, I tell you what, San Francisco loves shipping guys to the Miami Dolphins, don't they? Okay. So, you got that going on there. We'll watch anything breaks in the next five minutes before we go off the air. Uh, I, will, uh, I will let you know. All right, times for the things that we may have missed. Uh, Ken Rosenthal, Royals bench coach uh, Pedro Greifel, expected to be the next White Sox manager pitching coach Ethan Katz expected to return and that's about it. I guess Buster had it first. I have no idea. I just know that your current coaching staff was not getting it done. I am not a great baseball expert especially when it comes to managers. I can tell you when they're not working out, it's pretty darn clear. And uh, it's great that the White Sox are moving on, but there is a candidate. Speaking of new coaching candidates, Steve Nash was let go today by the Brooklyn Nets. And uh, Edoke is going to be the new guy, it sounds like. You know, the suspended, uh, suspended Celtics coach? Shocker. I honestly feel like Steve Nash has to be the happiest out of all of this. Steve Nash is still going to get paid. And Steve Nash no longer has to show up to work and deal with KD. He no longer has to show up to work and deal with Ben Simmons. He no longer has to show up to work and answer for Kyrie Irving and whatever stupid things he says or tweets about. You can't tell me that man's not the happiest guy on the planet right now. I mean, those players never liked him. And now you got, you add Simmons into the mix here. Talk about acting out. We say this with these uh, college coaches, right? And You get fired and uh, you get paid some $25, $30 million buyout to not coach the team anymore. And how happy you gotta be to show up and not have to show up and still get paid. Steve Nash has gotta be darn happy to not deal with the circus that is the Brooklyn Nets. And that's exactly what it is right now. It is a circus. It is a cult of personality that just, quite frankly, I don't, nobody wants to manage. He's not capable of managing that. Might be a good basketball mind. I don't think he can deal with the rest of it. You know, I had somebody tell me once uh, that that covered. Uh, that was a Purdue beat writer for a time, not here anymore. Uh, talk about Danny Hope at the end of the Danny Hope era. And I, I asked this, Why do you think he failed? And he told me because it's not necessarily that he's a bad coach. It's it, the things that he told him. He says he spent more time, I think, during the week putting out fires outside of football than he did being able to actually focus on coaching football. And he would handle that stuff. And maybe that was a reason why uh, he failed. Now, we can argue about that till the cows come home. But I still think this is the same point that I'm making here. I don't know that Steve Nash was... Built for or capable for handling those specific personalities altogether. I don't think he's capable of doing it. I'm surprised they made it through last year the way they did with all the Kyrie drama. But that's on a new level now. Now you've sprinkled in Ben Simmons full time. He's got to be the happiest guy. <laughs> he just has to. That's gonna do it for us here on the Hammer Down Show. Big thanks to Tom Dean Hart for being on with us. Of course, we'll post the show as always on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um 1017TheHammer.com. Our Facebook and Twitter pages also have it for you. Coming up tomorrow, we got a first men's basketball game against Truman State, the exhibition. Brian Newbert from GoldenBlack.com is going to be here. That's back here tomorrow on the Hammer Down Show on 1017THAMAMAMAMR, 1017 thehammer 101 1017-